We have an emerging situation here. Landing party members are getting ill. The doctor thinks they were exposed to something on the surface. Coming up, an Enterprise away team brings a deadly contagion on board that infects the entire crew and puts the ship in jeopardy. Attention all crew members. We are initiating level five lockdown protocol effective immediately. Number one races against time to save the crew. Tell me you saw that too. I did. While mysterious creatures pose a serious threat to Pike and Spock, left stranded on the planet's surface. You lied to me every day for years. What kind of friend is that? We break down this week's episode and discuss the three earth-shattering revelations that warped our minds. All this and more coming up on Energize. 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 We're boldly going into the uncharted regions of the Star Trek universe before James T. Kirk. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast, your source for in-depth analysis, colorful debate, and exciting discussions about the new adventures of Captain Pike and the Enterprise crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. This week, Una must confront a secret she's been hiding when a contagion ravages the ship, incapacitating the rest of the crew. Here's a Warp Speed recap of Strange New Worlds Episode 3, Ghosts of Illyria. Landing party members are getting ill. What the hell are you doing? Partake us to security, I need help! Uh, they're being attracted to light. So much so, they're willing to hurt themselves to get to it. We are initiating level five lockdown protocol, effective immediately. You took my blood earlier. Did you find anything that could help synthesize a cure? I'm immune. I've already come down with it. And my immune system did what it was bioengineered to do. You lied to me every day for years. You're an abomination, an augment. We got an antidote. Apparently, my body cured both of us. All right, see, so this week, another new, great, exciting episode. This week, the storyline was centrally focused around number one. For me, I was totally excited to find out more about her, her leadership style, and what makes her tick, and her backstory. What about you? Yeah, well, I was too, but remember last week, our biggest concern was, here we go with another virus infecting the crew is this going to be kind of a played out idea and we also talked about the fact that you know um aurora started the show last week with her log entry and now una does it this week that seems to be a thing that they're doing is having the featured crew member uh do their log entry i went into this definitely excited to hear about number one's backstory but at the same time i was highly skeptical because I just, you know, I've seen this, this story before. In the original series, Naked, The Naked Time, uh, yeah. the crew got infected. In Star right. Trek Enterprise, The Observer Effect, yeah. the, crew, the crew got infected once again. The crew gets infected with the space. Yeah. yeah. And then in uh, Star Trek the, the Next Generation, The Naked Now, right. the entire crew gets infected by a virus and a fully functional Data has a sexual encounter with Lieutenant Tasha Yar. You remember that? <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> I remember an episode where Jordy was a lizard in the bathtub. I mean, that's as far as they were willing to go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Everybody reverted back to their <laughs> primitive state. I remember that's that right. episode. That's right. Yeah, yeah, but I, I just, I will never forget that. I am fully functional. <laughs> I am fully functional. <laughs> yes. <laughs> trained in multiple techniques. 
Yes, that was hilarious. So here we are once again going down that road. So yes, I, I definitely went into this very skeptical and kind of with one foot out. But at the same yeah. time, the one foot that was in was uh, tied to the fact that we were going to hear more about number one or Una's yeah. story. It was a journey for her before it was the story. And that's what I liked is that we had fully 60% of the show before we actually found out what her story really is. Um, you know, uh, the away team is down on the planet and of course we know there's a virus coming. Uh, that um, away team member, was he a lieutenant? Ensign Lance. Oh, that's right. Ensign Lance. Who, by the way, I thought was Timothy, Timothy Chalamet for a second when he oh, was yeah. banging his head against the glass. I'm like, I'm like, dude, shouldn't you be in Dune? Um, yes, exactly. I'm like, okay, you're crossing... Uh, <laughs> Across the sci-fi yeah, yeah. shows here. Yeah, that's right. So he gets infected and, and you wonder how is that going to be? And they bring it up back up to the ship. You found nothing else in their systems. No form of contagion. Transporters biofilters would have screened out anything abnormal. I liked all the question marks with, was it the transporter? Isn't the transporter supposed to weed these things out? The crew goes back, you know, when this ion storm is coming and they, they leave Pike and Spock uh, back on the ground to deal with their own thing which I thought was, you know, a little bit also shades of first contact where, you know, uh, Riker and um, Deanna Troy are down on Earth's surface uh, with Zephyr and Cochran while the rest of the folks are up on the Enterprise dealing with the port. So I, I just love all of these parallels and echoes that they use and they borrow, you know, with pride to do this. Um, but it was interesting to see that virus spread and then hit Una. Number one to Dr. Mabenga. What is the status of the landing party? I have several of them in here as we speak, presenting with some very curious symptoms. Are you feeling all right? I'm okay. The thing was, from the very beginning, you knew something was up with her, but you couldn't quite put your finger on it because her reaction when she first got the infection, you were like, oh my God, she's, she's getting it too. And then she kind of snaps herself out of it. And you're just like, okay, what just happened here? Well, I wasn't so sure she snapped herself out of it at first because she, her blood or whatever, her skin got really red. And then I thought, oh, she's going to be like the master viral host person. She's the leader of the virus. The lead, you know what I mean? She's going to, it's almost like I, I thought that she, her mind had been taken too. You know what I mean? So that, that was something I was looking for was because yeah. she, she seemed to be faking it or acting normal. Yes. And, and so she wasn't disclosing that, you know, she had been infected. Computer, show me everything you have on Alarian genetic modification specifically related to disease control. Working. The whole time, you know, she's taking this leadership position. She is, you know, conducting an investigation. And I thought that was really, really cool because it, to me, it felt like watching an episode of CSI or uh, FBI, which I watch. <laughs> I watch FBI all three of all three of the sure. FBI's, and I just I love the procedural part of it, where she spent her time digging through the evidence and trying to figure out step by step what was taking place. And that's what was confusing me was, well, wait a second, is she investigating this, or she's trying to maybe thwart the investigation? The lockdown is instituted. You're off duty. You come here. Your roommates contract the contagion. You do not. Why? When she got into Uhura's sleeping uh, cell or bed or whatever that is, I just was really confused. Like, is she good or bad right now? Has she been, uh, you know, turned over to the to the virus? Is the virus taking her over? And of course, as we said, it wasn't until later in the episode that we find out what was really going on. 
And so then when uh, into Lance, when, or so when Ortega comes across into Lance in the corridor and he, you know, burst his head through the, the light panel, I yeah. was just like, what the hell? And, uh, it, I'm trying to remember what it quite reminded me of. It was... Um, oh, I can tell you. Bird Box. Yes. Thank you very much. That's yes. right. When people just start smashing their heads into things. But that's because they just... They were compelled to kill themselves. These people wanted light. And you know, I got to say, I think from about 10 minutes on, I was starting to say, okay, no, this is going to be good. They're really doing this right. And I say this every week, and I don't know anyone on the crew. I don't know anyone in, you know, uh, at Paramount anymore, like I used to. But I'm telling you, man, they're just, they're crushing this. They did a great job with this. They really laid it out well. The contagion travels on light. Insidious. And what was really great this time is that even though this was a number one uh, centric storyline, we got we got a chance to spend time with Doctor Mbega and Nurse Chapel. Yeah. So of course, of course, this was a medical episode. You know, there's a virus running around the ship. So now, you know, you have no choice but to bring the bring those two in. But it was really great to introduce them in that way. Doctor, we need to check your emergency medical transporter for systems integration and excess power usage. Please stop messing around in here. And so when Chief Hammer comes into the medical bay to check the uh, emergency medical transporter. You know, I, I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, no. but the right. second the second time I watched it, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. why is uh, Mbega, uh, you know, so adamant that the transport is not touched, that a diagnostic is not being done on it? And I was just like, right. something's up. Yeah, and, and, you know, like all good writing, there's no, uh, no piece of the script wasted. I do tend to think that, in, and I'm going to stick to Star Trek here because I could talk about all kinds of TV shows and movies. In Star Trek, I do tend to think there were some series that just had wasted time, uh, wasted space, just let's fill, mainly because they had to do you know, 24 to 30 episodes a year. But I, I should have myself paid more attention to that because I really just thought it was uh, Hammer making you know, Mbega angry. Um, and, and and frustrating him, right? And because he had, out later that that's not the case. You know, it was a good misdirect because Hammer had already been kind of an a hole to number one with his smart <laughs> algorithm remarks, and so for him to come into sick bay and throw out another smart remark, he just felt like he was just doing his job and and being anal, which he which he is. And I like this character. I'm really not a fan of grumpy characters, uh, just for Grump's sake. But there's something about this guy, the way he plays it, it's kind of subtle. Um, he really does just seem like a jerk because he seems to care less than most people who want to show you they're grumpy as an actor. And I, I like the way this guy is doing it. Hammer, did you find anything? Of course. That's why I'm wandering around the ship in the middle of the night running diagnostics. He's, he's playing it well, and he was just smarting off the whole time. Every time he yeah. was, if you, you had to like play it back, and you're like, wait a minute, he just uh, gave her the middle finger. And he did, every <laughs> remark was a smart remark. Have you found anything? No, I'm just walking around. <laughs> just walking around the ship, and I'm just like, okay. You know. Yeah, it was so, it was so yeah. funny. And so his, he does it in such a deadpan way. So That's the uh, thing. He doesn't overplay it. No. He does it really subtle. And I keep thinking to myself, who hurt you? Like, why are you so upset about it? But I think there's, I bet you his story has to do with his blindness now. He got it. 
And, you know, I'll be really fascinated to see that. They may be saving that for later. Once the investigation begins, you realize that the transporter itself always filters out any uh, Impurities, unknown elements. In, yeah. yeah right. And so that point was made very, very clear right up front. It's like, if, you know, she said, well, how would it know a new contagion? Well, anything that doesn't match the regular pattern is considered a contagion. So it would be filtered out. So, right. you know, the, the big question is how, where was the breakdown? Especially, and, and again, like you said before, misdirection, you know, the ion storm, they had to reroute powder, power rather from auxiliary units. Could that have been the reason that the transporter filter didn't work? It's just, they really layered this very, the writers layered it very well with a lot of misdirection. I think that's the perfect word that you used in this whole episode is misdirection. Oh, yes. Things are just be, uh, being thrown left and right. And so you don't know uh, what the linchpin is. And so yeah. I was just constantly trying to figure out, wh you know, what's the case here? And yeah. I'm looking at the evidence that Una is going through at the same time as I'm down on the planet with uh, Pike and Spock, yeah, as they go right. through all the records inside the Illyrians library. You think the Illyrians knew how to stop these things? Perhaps. But even if they did not, we may be able to learn from their misfortune. You know, what's interesting about that, too, is that's, I would say, two weeks in a row where Pike is the B story. And I don't know. I guess we've seen that. Maybe if I had to really rack my brain. But I can't remember Picard really being second banana as a B story. Like, those were, they, those guys were the B story. Like, in, you know, all the... Uh, all the comedies that we watch, the half hour comedies, you got the A, the B and the C or the A and the B. And the B is just like the fluff on the side just to break up the, the A story. But there they are down there, honestly, not doing very much, not accomplishing very much, kind of stranded. They're discovering little things, but not a lot, at least not in the beginning. Exactly. Up until the point where they see these plasma like creatures come towards them during the ion storm. And then that's the first time you're like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. And um, I, I don't want to give away what they are now. Obviously, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But I just want to tell you, I guessed it. It's one of the few times in this. It, no, it's the only time in this episode that I got anything right, that I guessed it right. Uh, so oh. we'll, we'll, <laughs> well, with the title being Ghost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Darn it. You're right. That was, that, <laughs> I guess that I, was a bit of a hint. I guess I was tipped off, but, but yeah. Okay, fine. That's fine. But um, back on the ship, you know, uh, one of the other things that I, I found interesting was when things really started to get heavy, like a lot of the ships started to get infected and the discussion that they had about it between chapel and Mabenga, it just felt like the pandemic to me. They're like, well, you know, there's transmission site and there's, you know, we're, we're doing trace, uh, transmission yeah, tracing contact tracing yes there it is thank you contract tracing all of that was just pure today absolutely today who's got it who doesn't how are you getting it we don't know that's that's pure COVID right there oh totally and then chapel said it best you know it's all over the map at this point we can't even trace it everybody's getting it from everybody right and so we see this episode with fresh eyes having just gone through this pandemic whereas we may not have connected with this in the naked now or naked time or any of the other times when you know someone gets infected with a virus well 
damn, we just went through two years of it. We know all the terms and how it does feel to not know and to worry, are you next? And what does it mean? So to, to introduce it in that way. And again, subtly, never hitting us over the head with any of this. I don't think. True, true, true. So while number one is doing her investigation and looking through records, uh, Laon Nguyen Singh comes in. Well, it seems to me things like this are exactly why the Federation is so wary of genetically modified species like the Illyrians. You start breaking down the genetic code, who knows what the unexpected consequences can be? If the problem originated with the Illyrians, maybe they could also provide us with a cure. I, I thought this was brilliant because this is one of our first big reveals. So we're having a, an interesting conversation about the ethics of genetic modification. So there's, there's a debate here, and, and clearly La'an has a point of view, which is ironic because she is of the Nunyan Singh clan, which right. makes, me, makes you wonder, it's like, well, does she have any like latent gifts because of Han's genetic altering? Would that have transferred to her? I mean, she is a, 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 a direct descendant of Khan. So what does right. that mean? Exactly. And, and the discussion was, I know what it feels like to be an augment, and I don't like them, which is a really strange take for me. And I guess it's the part that she doesn't like is she doesn't like her lineage. She doesn't like, you know, being a, 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 a Singh, you know, Khan Nuni and Singh's uh, um, descendant. Right. She completely, she completely resents it because she was teased all the way through school. When you're the descendant of a madman who killed millions, I, I think yeah. anybody would resent that. Right. But, but, but she hates herself for it, which, and, but, okay, here, how do I put this? She hates herself for it, but she also hates augments. So why? Like you would think she'd hate, she would maybe hate her lineage, but understand augments or she hates augments and understands her own plight because it wasn't her fault she hates both she had a really strong point of view on it and you could see that number one was like well wait a minute we don't know if all of this is caused by the illyrians or not um maybe they have a cure and she's like hey any cure that comes from them is bad news period oh gee because it's going to be an augment Exactly. Exactly. So it was a very interesting conversation and it was nice to finally get that confirmation that Khan, you know, she's a descendant of Khan. And who better to have that conversation with than Una? Isn't using any Illyrian medical tech against Federation regs? Thanks to the eugenics wars. I imagine you know all about that period in history. This whole situation puts their friendship to the test because this is over the ethics of eugenics i love how they're threading that through in the history it's they talk about world war three they talk about eugenics it's so built into the history of star trek it's always been there they've always talked about it hammer what are you doing forming a miracle you're transporting a piece of the planet's core i want to feel the radiance on my skin so time is ticking. More and more of the crew is being infected. And each person who's getting infected, some people are, are literally threatening the ship. So Una comes across Hemmer, who's in the transporter room, and he's literally trying to <laughs> yeah. beam in part of the mantle of the planet, which would be like 10,000 yeah. degrees because he wants to feel the light. He wants to feel the heat. Right. <laughs> and so uh, she has to stun him. And I was just like, I was actually surprised that, that Hemmer succumbed to the virus. Yeah, you you would think 
that he wouldn't have because he's of, of course different makeup but but this was una's episode of course and so uh, i think just because he is a different race you know obviously it affects you know this this virus affects uh, anybody i think with a circulatory system once she stuns hammer she literally picks him up and carries him all the way to sig base i was just like okay so Five foot eleven, Rebecca Romaine, aka yeah. Una, Una, aka Number One, is carrying this, carrying the chief engineer down the hallway, and and Chapel's like, "Oh my God, how are you carrying him?" So that right. that was another hint. Sure, and again, that's where there. I thought, "Oh, she's infected by the virus. She's got now super strength too, because you know this virus is." And I think that that's probably what the writers wanted us to think, that she has somehow been infected. And I bought it. I bought it. I just, I looked at her as kind of a badass at that point. Oh, <laughs> she oh already, no, I knew she's already, <laughs> she's already taking command of the ship in a badass fashion, you know, with her right. jacket on and field jacket. And she sits in the chair and then basically calls uh, everyone to lock down on the, uh, she calls everyone to lock down in their quarters. I mean, yeah. she's, she's basically running the show. Yeah. She knows she has to. Right. right. Absolutely. Because she's she's obviously handling it. I've already come down with it. And my immune system did what it was bioengineered to do. I didn't tell you earlier because I'm an Illyrian. Uh, she reveals to Mbinga that she's Illyrian. I was just so I don't want to say blown away. Because it was more than that. I was clapping. I was like, what a brilliant reveal. Because how perfect. Here, here uh, La'an is, is talking about her issues with augments. And here it, they've been to that actual planet. Isn't it interesting that she doesn't mention that in her personal log when we open the show? Isn't it interesting that they go down there during an ion storm, you would think an away party would wait until the storm is over before they go down. Isn't it interesting that, you know, she, she, I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's almost like, you know, it has an allegory kind of to being gay in the eighties. Like you just don't come out until it's necessary. And it's like, she came out because these augments are just, especially in, in the eyes of Starfleet, it's just not, something that Starfleet wants to be a part of, period. And she has to do it because she realizes that she might even be able to help them, right? That's correct. I mean, her hand is forced. It's either reveal herself or not save the crew. So she doesn't have a choice and she is an officer of Starfleet. So she has a duty. I was watching the clock and, I, and we, we do it on a 44 minute clock and we were at 34 minutes, 10 minutes to go. And I thought, well, what the heck are they going to do now? They've, She's revealed herself. They, she, we have another incident with Laan, but there's so much time left. I thought, well, how are they going to, what, what's left? And there was so much more, but yeah, that, that reveal was great because um, it, it just showed how even in Starfleet in this future that Gene Roddenberry imagined where everyone would get along, there's still these prejudices and I think somebody said something along the lines of we just, it's the same prejudice. We just traded up into Starfleet. Exactly. 
Exactly. So that comes after Lon and number one have a fight in engineering, where she's about to basically <laughs> expose the warp core yeah. to the whole ship so she can get can absorb that light. And so they get they go they have a knockout drag out. It's a good one. It's a girl fight. This is the point at which a cure is found because while they're both being exposed to the radiation, um, <laughs> she develops antibodies that are transferred over to Laon. Which is which felt a little gimmicky. That threw me for a bit of a loop. I just kind of went with it. I mean, I wish there were there had been a better way of of, of solving the problem. But um, all I could see that she was standing over her glowing, and it yeah. transferred. I don't know. That that was the only that was the one thing that I just was kind of like, eh. Yeah, and again, I think this is what you and I discussed a couple of weeks ago about some of the perils or pitfalls of episodic television is that you've got to wrap this up in 44 minutes and 22 seconds and you better, you know, figure it out. And so it's this wonderful episode. I'm not going to knock this episode. I thought it was great. I think they keep getting better, but this was the definitely the weak link in it where it's like, okay, now we got to solve it. And here's what happened. Exactly. That's where we make that turn. It's like, okay, we got five, five minutes left. All right. Solve this. Somebody in some writer into the room was like, here you go. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about. We actually had 10 minutes left when this when this got solved. And I thought, well, what the hell are they going to do with this episode? Captain, I'm an Illyrian. By enlisting in Starfleet, I've committed a Federation offense. I am resigning my commission and surrendering myself for disciplinary review. This is where she puts down her badge and says, I'm resigning. I'm... I've committed a lot of violations and just basically is willing to fall on her sword. And in true fashion, Pike does it his way, but not in an overt way. It's, he just basically said, I don't care. You're, you're a top, you know, top Starfleet officer. The number one, number one. Exactly. Was yep. uh, to paraphrase him, which, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if that's ever going to burn him is if his laissez-faire approach to captaining and leadership which is cool it's great i'm wondering if that's ever going to come to bite him in the butt i would like to see that maybe like i was too lax i was too chill i don't know maybe not no it would be smart that's how i would play it if i were writing that while his approach to being a captain is great nothing should ever be absolute right there needs to be in other words Every captain is challenged when his leadership style is challenged. It was your medical transporter that inhibited the biofilters. Hemmer's diagnostic shows you're keeping something in the pattern buffer. And whatever it is, you needed to preserve it, even if it ended up killing everyone on the ship. Isn't that right, Doctor? No. It's like you said before, there was still time left. And you're like, okay, what else can we... Yeah, five yeah. minutes. What else can we talk about? And then all of a sudden, we're dealt a, a, a right hook. It was a nice surprise because I missed it. I completely missed it. Uh, yep, the first too. time I watched it, I just did not catch when Hammer went in there to do a diagnostic on the medical transporter and how Mabenga just completely flipped out. Don't touch it. Yeah. And so now Una calls him out and basically is like what was so important you were the cause of this this is this is you, where the weak leak was you put all of our lives at risk for what not to watch who who 
Yeah. My daughter. And then he confessed. And, yeah, and he, and of course, you know, what what would cause you to risk the entire lives of the crew? Your daughter. I as soon as he said not what but who, I knew it was either his wife or his child. It's gonna be one or the other. And you as a parent understand that, and me as a parent, I understand that. Um and he, he admits, look, she's got this rare disease, which is interesting to me because I want to point out a hole in the logic of this. Yes. If, and I, and the, I think, I, think yes. I know where you're going with this. Yes. Go if the transporter it. can filter out disease and anything that doesn't fit with the human body, why can't it filter out this child's disease? Gotcha. And I'll raise you one. And if you can't remove it, why put her in the pattern buffer versus just freezing her like Khan? Put her in stasis. But wasn't, that's a good question, but wasn't that technology um, abandoned with Khan himself when he was, I remember either Bones said it in uh, Wrath of Khan or the other Bones said it in Into Darkness. This was, you know, this technology was abandoned around the time that they were sent into space. So it's possible that cryogenics, they were past cryogenics. They had the pattern buffer. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. But it seems like so risky to leave someone's pattern floating oh, around. Of course. In, inside a pattern buffer. I'm like inside the transporter. I'm like, come on. That's like, you know? that's as Chris Rock said, that's like leaving your porn in the VCR. Exactly. <laughs> and so you I, know? that was the only thing that, that, that raised an eyebrow with me. I was just like, okay, well, it would just been easier just to put her in stasis. Well, okay. Let's say he can't do that. Okay. And he's put it, he choose, he's chosen to put her in the pattern buffer. The whole episode, they're talking about how it filters out irregularities and diseases. Why couldn't you cure every disease by transporting someone 10 feet across the room and just filtering out all the crap that's killing them? So why can't this kid be cured just by being transported? Well, I think I think it's a well, that's a good question, but maybe it's just the fact that once you have a, a disease or cancer so intertwined with your cells, versus a parasite that that hasn't completely taken over. Well, I think you know that's the rationale for it. I would have liked to have heard an explanation. And as soon as we find out that his daughter's in a pattern buffer, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I just <laughs> the other day watched uh, the Next Generation Relics. 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 Yeah. And Scotty in the pattern buffer, <laughs> 75 well, years later. Not, and, and he said, what he said was, you can keep someone in a pattern buffer forever as long as you bring them out occasionally, which is, you know, which was a, a, a nod to that. And there's another nod in this where Mabenga uh, has a very sick daughter, which was the exact situation at the beginning of Into Darkness when Khan gets this guy this starfleet officer whose daughter is dying to blow up the um starfleet headquarters starfleet headquarters yeah. right so another parallel so they're using a lot of parallels and a lot and i don't mind at all because it's all within star trek and i think it's kind of cool that they're doing that but the good thing is is that the good doctor is an honorable person and he was really you know ready to concede and ready to lose his daughter and turn himself over to starfleet but uh, number one, you know, basically said, no, you know, we will reroute power so that you can maintain this. She learned, she learned to be that benevolent from Pike, who had just forgiven her. 
for her transgressions. And I think that was also part of the theme of this is that I won't judge you, but you got to pay that forward, right? And the whole episode, interestingly enough, is about judgment. How fascinating is it that we never really meet the Allurians, that we assume that what Spock said, which I thought was brilliant, and I had guessed, uh, was that they became those ghosts. And um, I love that. I, I, I really love that it's, it comes back to, hey, these people have been judged so much. We're just not going to do that here. We're getting back to Gene Roddenberry kind of storytelling. And I noticed that throughout the entire episode with the way the music was done, the way certain topics were handled. I just, I think we're kind of, I think what they're doing here is they're getting back to old school and I love it. I love it. And they're doing it in a, a nice, subtle, I mean, I want to say subtle because I mean, it was very clear what they were saying, but it wasn't heavy handed. And well, I, I really appreciate that. None of this hits that. you over the head. I agree. None of this hits you over the head. It really is just, I think, just evenly delivered. I mean, we're friends, right? Do you want me to tell you it was just a sickness talking? I don't know. Was it? Yes. And also, no. So then we still have time left in the show. <laughs> so <laughs> we still have time. And so now, number one visits with Laon because clearly some things were said some hurtful things. Right. Um, she called her an augment, <laughs> you know, and right. you're, during their fight. And it was, uh, the, the question now is, are we still friends? Do we still respect each other? Can we still work together, basically? Lon says yes and no. Right. So it leaves it a bit ambiguous. You know, what and is I, their relationship <laughs> going to be like going forward? Right. And, and, and again, as we discussed over the last couple of weeks, how do you make episodic television non-episodic and that's how they have been leaving open certain stories and if if the way they've been writing it now it stays this way you know they're going to come back and revisit these things i think they're they're laying out groundwork for all of this and so then we end with number one in her quarters and she's still torn she questions you know what is what has just happened um am i being forgiven only because i solved the problem on the ship or is it because of who I am as an officer? It's interesting to me that she asked that question. You know, what would have happened if I didn't save everybody? It's interesting that she has that insecurity. I guess as an augment or an Lurian, she had to live with, you know, being, you know, so to speak, in the closet with that her whole life. So, of course, that's going to be her question. How interesting is it that they go that deep with that character and ask that question? And then she erases it. She deletes it, rather, um, from the record, too, which I thought was cool. Um, but overall, like I said, I went in skeptical of, of, a, of an episode dealing with viruses on the ship and crew being infected and putting the ship in peril. But um, even though that storyline has been played, they did add a different twist to it. Um, we got a chance to delve deeper into Una's backstory. Um, we, we raise issues about eugenics because I think the eugenics wars always hangs out there, especially when you have a descendant of Khan right. over the ship. And so I thought that was great to keep that, that thread going through because we still don't know all there is to know about La'an. So that keeps that wide open in, 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 a, in the back of all of our minds. Yeah. And I, uh... I think 
again, like I said before, I think we're going to see that play out this season. I don't, I don't know what was said at the beginning of this series in the writer's room or who's really steering this ship, but whoever is doing this, I think is doing a phenomenal job of making sure that this is not over the top. It's not underplayed. It's not borrowing. It's not uh, trying to go too far in the other direction. You know, uh, other series that are, that are on discovery and so forth, they, they've been taking a lot of hits for a lot of reasons. I think they looked at this show like, look, you know, let's get back to basics. This is after all, basically a prequel. Let's bring it back to, to formula. Let's bring it back to what really works and let's be true to that material. They've got a great cast. Um, as I, I, I told my wife this last week and I'll tell you now, and I mean this, I mean this, this is now becoming my favorite Star Trek show ever. And that says a lot because I was a TNG freak. And now um, I'm really starting to really appreciate the craft of this show. No, I'm, I'm pumped up every week. And, and, and like I said, the, uh, from the very first episode, I feel young again. I feel like I did when I first started watching Star Trek when I was watching reruns in the early 80s. I, I, mean, I, I, I feel that. Great way to put it. I agree. Coming up next week, episode four of Star Trek Strange New Worlds called Memento Mori. Pike must find unconventional Starfleet methods to deal with a malevolent force that attacks the Enterprise. There are supposed to be hundreds of people here. Looks like the bodies were all dragged here. The monsters are coming! What monsters? It makes noises like this. Oh, no. The Enterprise is going to make it. We've got this. Now you almost make it sound fun. We're too damaged to stand and fight. Hunter run, sir. Helm, take us down. To a giant gas cloud of death. Why not? So here we go. Godlike forces attacking the Enterprise. See, now, now the ship's in peril. This, I think, again, a, a cynic might say, well, here they go. They're, you know, the ship now goes down. They did this time and time again, but something tells me that they're going to do it right. I think they'll do it right. Now I, now I have faith. I'm three shows in, and I've got faith that they're going to nail this. We'll see. I, I've been wrong before once in my life, but we'll see. Well, fun times. Had a good time on this one, and looking forward to next week. Well, that ends this episode of Energize, the Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. Thanks for listening. Live long and prosper, people. See you next time. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, engage now and hit the subscribe button. Leave us your feedback and we'll see you next time.